It's weird to have our first service of 2014 on the 12th of January. I will admit that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't like having to cancel church, but it's just one of those things you got to do sometimes. And uh, I'm excited, though, with this being our first service of the new year and the new series of this, the first series of this new year. You just have an opportunity to kind of establish um, kind of a flow of where we're going and what we're doing. And, and uh, I'm, so I'm kind of excited to do that today. Uh, but this, this coming year, there's going to be some changes and some things take place here in our church. And uh, I, I just think that for a lot of reasons, it's important to address these as a family together and, and to move forward and, and to make sure that we're all on the same page. How many of you know it's good to be on the same page? The fact of the matter is, is that this year our church is going to be launching into something that we've only done four other times in our 82 years of existence. We're 82 years old, folks. Woo! Think about it. You know, we're, we're looking at a, our, our church here. Usually when churches get up in their 80s, they start dying out. They don't keep growing and they don't stay healthy. We are blessed here, folks. We're a very blessed church and, and I'm thankful to be a part of it with you. Uh, so if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to get there shortly. But uh, this spring we're obviously going to be breaking ground uh, on a new addition to our north here in the parking lot just to our north. Um, it's going to enable us to have a larger foyer. For those of you that maybe are fairly new to our church or are recent visitors, it was probably a little awkward for you to walk through the very crowded foyer your first time here. Uh, we realize that. There's some changes we're going to do to try to fix that, uh, as well as having new bathrooms. Can I get an amen on that one? Uh, some bathrooms that will be feasible to people of all sizes, not just little children that can run in and out of those doors easily, amen, but everybody can get into them, not at once, don't everybody try to get in them at once, but you know, and, and even a, a family bathroom connected with that as well, an early childhood ministry area, which includes a nursery, a couple of classrooms designed for ages two to five years old, also going to be making these classrooms as well as the others secure with a check-in and check-out system for our kids' safety. And uh, the added space is going to enable us to make some adjustments to how we do discipleship as well and offer maybe some other options for our adults for discipleship and some studies and so on and so forth. So we're really excited about it. Uh, but the only, the only problem is this is not a resolution, okay? I want everybody to understand it's not a resolution. Anybody make resolutions this year? You know those things that you start and four days later you quit? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a resolution. People say things like this about resolutions, you know. They come in, uh, the, uh, it's a new year for a new start on old habits, that type of thing, you know. A New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. And, and my favorite New Year's resolution is stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts. That's a good one. You know, you start thinking of New Year stuff. I want you to understand that the things that I'm going to be talking to you about and the things that we are going to be doing this year are not things that have just come up on a whim. It's uh, come from a two-year process of a lot of study, a lot of understanding of what our church needs are, uh, our financial needs, where we were at, what we could afford, what we could do. A two-year process of, of, of just looking at the overall needs and health of our church. And so this isn't something that's happened on a whim. And, and we'll discuss more of the whys as to why we've done this or are we doing this this year in some weeks to come. But today I just kind of want to establish where we're going, what you can expect in 2014. And the first thing I want us to understand is, 
is that we are going to keep the ancient boundary stone in place. You can say, now what does that mean? Proverbs twenty two twenty eight says, Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. Now I talked about this verse, I think a time or two last year, but it's just kind of sticking with us because I want us to understand that as your pastor, I want you to be fully assured and reassured that we are not going to move away from what our forefathers have established. Okay? And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And, and the reason I want to talk about it, I talked to Pastor Allen on the phone Friday. I was doing some study about our church history and reading a lot of articles and, and different things. And I went through a, uh, an article. Some of you may not even know Pastor Allen. He was here for 30, almost 31 years, a couple months shy of being here 31 years as our pastor. And uh, just tremendous ministry, tremendous man of God, very faithful to God, just a humble very gentle man, wonderful man. He's such a, such a good pastor, even to me still today. Um, I called up there on Friday, and, and I talked to Sister Allen, and uh, she answered. And, and I asked her, I talked to her for, for a few minutes, and I said, I was just calling to see how Pastor is. And she said, well, he's not feeling too well. He's, he's actually laying down in bed. I said, oh, well, that's okay. I'll call him another time. We'll be praying for him. She said, oh, no, 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 no. He'll get up and talk to you, Bobby. She said, oh my, did I just call you Bobby? I said, you can call me whatever you want to call me. I said, don't bother him. She said, oh no, 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 he'll want to talk. He's just having some vertigo, which by the way, keep him in your prayers. Um, He's just having some vertigo. He'll talk to you. So she got him up and we had a great conversation. And part of it, I told him, I said, you know, I've been reading so many articles on you. I thought I ought to just call you and see how you're doing. And he just laughed and I told him, I said, I, I, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little concerned, and, and as we head into this building program here in the spring, just in a few months, we're going to break ground, folks. And I told him, I said, I hear enough horror stories about building programs, just enough to make me nervous as a pastor. So I don't, I don't want issues, I don't want problems, and, and uh, you know why, don't you? Because when you hear the word change, everybody's blood pressure goes up. Adrenaline goes into their body and they don't like change. Nobody likes change. Some people instantly freak out at change at the very hearing of the word. Others, okay at first, are really excited. Then they see change happen and they think maybe this wasn't a good idea. And then they get stressed out later, you know. So I was kind of worried about that. But, you know, really, folks, change is a part of our lives. It always is a part of our lives. Like I said, I got up one day, three giant, long, scraggly gray hairs out the side of my head. What was that? It was, they weren't there the day before, and they, they, they have a mind of their own. They go crooked and crazy, and it's, train it, train it, train it. There's change. Our bodies change. Our lives change. Listen, our walk with Jesus Christ changes. You should not be the same today that you were 20 years ago. Amen? should always be growing and always moving. And when something is alive, everybody say alive. alive. When something is alive, it changes for the good. When something is dead, it changes for the bad. I like to think what God's doing here in our presence is life. And I see us growing and changing and moving. And I told Pastor Allen, I said, you know, it's it's just one of those things that I, I love this church so much. I love our people. I love my family that's a part of it. I don't want issues. So I, I just feel like the Lord laid on my heart for the first three to four weeks of this year to really kind of deal with the perspective of where we're going 
what we're doing, why we're doing it, why is it, how is it connected with uh, us as a church, God's will for us as a church, our plan, what is it, why are we doing this? And I told him, I said, I want them to understand that while walls change, that while buildings change and roof lines change, bathrooms are built, classrooms are built, all that kind of stuff, the, there are certain principles that are never going to change. And those things are going to remain intact. And his words to me were, oh, Bob, I'm so glad to hear that. He said, because so many people will try to make a plan and to do something different, and they leave behind the important things. Folks, there's certain musts that we must have as a church. And I'm going to share with you this morning. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to kind of look at the format of the early church as it was established in Acts chapter 2, passage of scripture that you're very familiar with, simply want to connect it with what God has called the church to be, who we are currently, and where we're headed and we're going to remain to be, okay? It's a very simple message, but I want us to grab a hold of it today. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In this passage of Scripture, there's about seven things I want to talk to you quickly. And some of you are saying, oh, dear Lord, we're not ever going to make it. He's been off for almost three weeks, and he's anxious, just anxious to preach, and he'll never make it through seven points. Watch me. <laughs> the first one is, is the unchanging principle is this. We must remain devoted to the Word of God. You say, Pastor, that's really simple. Why? Okay, I was expecting a great revelation. Um, there is no greater revelation. Folks, I'm going to tell you what, there are people all over this world right now that are searching the Bible and there are people getting up in pulpits right now preaching weird doctrines because they don't think the simple truths of the Word of God is enough. And folks, I'm telling you, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough to save you and it's enough to keep you throughout all eternity and every blessing and promise of God is found in the Word of God. You don't have to go seeking for some weird, strange thing. God's word is truth and it's good enough. They devoted themselves to it. They were surrendered to the word. They believed that the word had power. They were committed to the teaching of it. They were teachable. They were responsible. The, the, the leaders were responsible to use the word. And those that were listening were quick and ready to learn and listen. Folks, we can't lose that. One of our core values, if you've been on our website or if you were here a few years ago when I taught through our core values, you'll see that core value number three is that we're a church that believes in the Word of God. Now, the first three go together really close. It's not an order of importance. It's just how I taught through them. The first one was love. Second one was manifest presence of God. Third was the Word of God. Fourth was uh, prayer and intercession. Fifth is mission. Sixth is that we're a church that believes in ministers to all people from all generations. Those are our core values. That's who we are as a church. Those are the things that are not going to change. I see this right here, that according to our core values, we're on target with where the early church was. They believed in the Word of God and the teaching. And they received it and they were ready for it. 
Can I tell you this? I just want to say that I am grateful that there is no topic in the Bible that I am afraid to preach on in this house. Not one. I'm not afraid to say it. Some people say, wow, Pastor, you, I can't believe you said that. Well, I'm not afraid to say it. It's truth. Some of you remember back a couple years ago uh, when we did a True North series where I talked about, uh, in, a, in a matter of three weeks' time, I talked about um, sexual immorality and, uh, and God's laws for, for what is holiness in that sense. And then we also talked two weeks later about homosexuality and what the Bible really says about it. And people are saying, Pastor, I didn't really want to hear any of that. Well, you turn on your TV and watch it all the time. You know, this, this right here, folks, I'm not afraid to say it. Why? Because this church has always been a church where the Word of God has always been taught unashamedly, uncompromising, absolute truth. It is what it is. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Take it up with God. He wrote it. Amen. That's just how we've always been. And I'm so thankful when I look back and I see this, that I see that that's what the early church was. I want to follow the pattern of the early church. I don't want to follow a pattern made by man. I want to follow the pattern that God established in the very beginning with the apostles. Are we there? No. Are we moving that way? I hope so. You say, why is this important? The important thing is this. When you have a building program and you have to take on a certain amount of debt and you have to pay your bills, which folks, we've already been through all that. The board has worked out our financial status. We have the finances. We're going to be fine. But the reality of it is, is churches start getting worried and freaking out. We can't offend anybody. They start worrying more about the offering plate than they worry about people and the truth. And I just want to establish right here in front of everybody, in front of God, in front of you here in the church, that no building project, no amount of debt, nothing else is ever going to cause me to stand up here and cower to speak the truth. Where are we going in 2014? We're going to keep going just the same direction we are in the Word of God. Period. And it's not going to be changed. There's not any part of that that's going to be compromised. There's not anything that I'm going to be afraid to speak or tell somebody. Listen, I'll just tell you right now. If you're one of those people that likes to control a pastor with money and you want to put a money into an offering plate and say, Preacher, okay, now I'm going to keep doing this. But if you don't, if you don't preach what I want, I'm going to pull this and take my money. And my answer to you is going to say, Goodbye money and goodbye you. Amen. We're not doing it. I answer to God, period. I answer to our board. Let me say this. Not only can you be grateful that you have a pastor that's going to preach the Word of God, but you have a board that's going to hold him accountable to it. And not only do we have a board that's going to hold me accountable to it, I have also submitted myself to some men in our church that are not on the board that I consider elders in our church that will sit me down and talk to me if I'm goofy on something and say, what in the world was that? Why? Because there is nothing greater in our lives than having the truth of the Word of God taught to us. And if we leave behind or if we move that ancient boundary stone, all that's going to happen is, is you can erase, you can wipe out, and you can forget anything eternal happening in this place. You can forget it. If you want to, you can, you can play with your phones, you can play with your iPads, you can play games, you can read books, crossword puzzles, whatever connect four, you can play tic-tac-toe in your seats. I don't care what you do in here, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the Word. It's up to you to receive it. Secondly, that's point one. Somebody said he ain't never going to make it through seven points. Second thing we see is a devotion to one another through true fellowship 
and breaking of bread. Back to verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread. To the fellowship to the breaking of bread. Now, this is not saying that we need to have more potlucks. Okay? And, and trust me, I don't need any more potlucks. I have started the he must increase, I must decrease thing as always at the first of the year. And, and because I just got too big. I'm at my limit and, and things are tight. And we say, okay, got to do a little house maintenance. You know what I'm saying? If this is the temple of the Lord, I'm becoming a megachurch slowly. You know what I'm talking about? So we got to fix it. So, it's not talking about eating together. Even though that's good and it's wonderful to have that type of fellowship. But it's a different type of fellowship than what you would think. It says that they, they were committed to the teaching, but also to the fellowship, that gathering of the saints, and breaking bread together. And that breaking bread is key. Because that breaking bread is a communion issue. This is a worship thing. It's not just getting together and hanging out and eating food. We're getting together with Jesus together Fellowshipping with Him, fellowshipping with you, together. They're joined together in love. Everybody say love. love. Our number one core value is that we are a church of love. Now, I'll say this. If you've ever been put off by somebody in the church, everybody's been put off by somebody in the church. Okay, We're not all people of love all the time. For example, the end of the Colts game last night, I was not a man of love. Okay, I shouldn't be moved so much by such things, but forgive me, I have, I, 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 I am. But anyway, <laughs> every family's got a little bit of dysfunction. Can I get an amen out of that? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Listen, we are a church of love. We're a church of love. These individuals would come together and they would worship together because there was love there. A love for God and a love for people. Do you remember what Jesus said? You want to be defined as my disciples? You want people to know you're my disciples? He didn't say anything about having to wear a Jesus t-shirt. He didn't say anything about having to listen to Christian music only. He didn't say anything about cultural stuff. He just simply says this in John 13, 34, 35. I knew a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know what one of the problems is, folks, is that when people get into a building program and they, they they stop loving one another and they get into agendas and fighting and saying, well, I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that and so-and-so is doing this and it's all about the preacher. It's all about the board. So-and-so, I don't like this. And they begin to bicker and fight and cause issues and problems. And what happens is, is you have a really nice building that's empty of people. Don't believe me? Go to Europe. There's a whole lot of beautiful cathedrals with nobody in them. Why? Because they quit teaching the Word. People turn against each other. All this kind of stuff happens. Why does it happen? Because people have stopped being disciples of Jesus Christ. They've started pursuing their own will. We have got to love each other. You see, when a church is divided and there's all kinds of issues because of opinions and attitudes, then what happens is, is people walk in the door, they don't find love, and then they leave and say there is no God. Why would they say there is no God? Because God is love. 
according to John. John made it clear that God is love. And when there's people that say we are Christians, we're full of the presence of God, we serve God, we seek God, and there is no love in their midst, there is no worship that overflows into fellowship, if that's not there, then they're going to say, I want nothing to do with this. I don't care how many buildings you build. I don't care how nice it is. I don't care how updated it is or anything else. It's going to be empty. So we must be people who love people. We must remain in the boundary stone of loving people. In Hebrews 10, it says this in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, listen, these people were loving it. They were showing up. They were there. Why? They didn't have to look for them. They weren't the creasters. You know, the people that only show up at Christmas and Easter, that's not who they were. They weren't the creasters. These people showed up because they loved the Lord and they loved one another. And they wanted it. Nobody had to go knocking on the door and begging them to come back and begging them to show up. Please, oh, we just want you. They were here because they loved. So in 2014, we're going to continue to be a place where anyone, everybody say anyone, I don't care who they are, they walk through the doors of this church, they're going to get this from me. A handshake and a smile. Handshake and a smile. Good to see you. If you can do the same thing, you know what's going to happen? People say, hey, pretty loving group of people. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. One way we're going to allow this building program to enhance um, our Christ-centered fellowship is is, uh, to encourage our people to be connected to some form of Bible study, whether it be small group, whether it be Sunday school, whether it be Wednesday night Bible study, or even a home group that maybe we might develop here in the future as well. The extra classroom is going to give us opportunities to have uh, further discipleship in smaller groups and in different topics and studies, and it's going to be really positive for our church, for our adults. It's been needed for a long time to be able to give that opportunity to us. So it's going to, it's going to not hinder, it's only going to uh, bring more opportunity. Thirdly, 42 says they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Prayer, very important. Very, very important. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 just simply says, Pray continually. If you want to start memorizing Scripture, that's an easy one. Pray continually. Folks, this is what we are called to. When Luke recorded the book of Acts, he wasn't talking about prayer in the sense that they were interceding only. When we hear prayer, we think of so-and-so sick or whatever, and we got to have prayer, or I'm having a bad day, Lord, please help me. Those prayers are fine, but listen, when he's talking about being devoted to prayer, it's not just about God, please come and help me in this situation. It's God, I want to know who you are. Tell me who you are. I want to get to know you. And he wants to pour himself into people. He wants to pour a revelation of who he is into our lives. If we will expose ourselves to him in prayer and simply just sit down and take a few minutes to be quiet, which is really hard for us. We all got snowed in for a few days and we all about went nuts. Some people's power went off at their house. And I put, well, I don't know if I put my wife and daughter to sleep reading A.W. Tozer to them, but I was. We played some games. I said, I think I'll read you some Tozer. And Alyssa went in to play the piano and started singing, While I'm waiting, 
I worship. And the lights came on. She said, ha! I said, God don't want to hear your singing. Okay, I didn't say that, but I wanted to. I wanted to. Prayer is not some kind of a manipulation or a tool. It is a, it, it's a thing of fellowship with our God. And prayerlessness, when a church stops praying, it's the first sign of pride and self-sufficiency that says, Lord, I got this. I got my own agenda. Why should I seek you for yours? And folks, when we stop praying as a church, we're going to be in trouble. And one of our core values, number four, is that we're a church that believes in prayer and intercession. We believe in fellowship with God. We believe that our God is a speaking God. We believe that speaking to Him about needs, He will move upon those needs and move in them. Folks, this is who we are. It's who we always have been. But the problem is when people go into building projects and they gather up different agendas because they have not kept the agenda of God in their hearts and minds. As a board, when we began to seek out what is it that God wants, we came into the, to the, the, the boardroom and I gave him paper and a scripture and said, we need to go find out in prayer what it is the Lord wants. We come together, what did the Lord speak? The Lord spoke this. We made a whole thing, we have a statement together that we say this is what we're doing. Why? Because if we lose the agenda of God, we have lost Period. And when people start gathering up their own agendas, then they begin to fight and bicker and split and say, Pastor, but we've always been a praying church. We wouldn't go through a church split. Next week we're going to do our history and you'll find out that that's not totally true. It's an ugly part of our church history, but it happened. But, through the grace of God, we all got come back together as one again. Listen, pray. Pray in 2014 like never before. We're not going to leave it behind with the building program. We've got a couple of extra rooms. I have in my heart, we haven't approved it yet, but I would love to see a small prayer room, just a little prayer room where we can come in. It's designated for prayer only, only for prayer, just to seek the Lord. Our prayer partners do a great job praying for us and with us, uh, but just what a, what a great place to be, to be comfortable, a place where we can just come together and just seek the Lord. Somebody comes in with an issue, pastor, we need some counsel. You know what? Let's go down to the prayer room right now and just seek God together. Why? Because we need to be a people of prayer. Do you know, I'm going to be clear with you, pastor, why is it so important that we pray and seek the Lord? Because there is an enemy that desires to destroy us. I'm going to tell you something. Have you ever heard the saying, new levels, new devils? It's not scriptural, but I found out that there's some truth in it. And when you're doing things that the enemy doesn't like, for whatever reason, God does allow them to afflict us. It's for our growth and for our benefit and our strength, and I believe for His victory and glory and praise to Jesus Christ. That's why He allows it. But last year, 2013, the enemy attacked my family like never before. One hit after another. One hit after another. And I know he's not going to let up. And the reason he does it, folks, is because he wants us to quit. He wants us to quit. And I will tell you this, that as we move forward, as, as there is life and as there's growth, there's always going to be a tax. And as there's a building program, I know in my own life, as we built our house back in 96, that in my marriage there was some stress because we were building a home. 
Our church family is not going to be any different. But I ask you to be prayerful. And I ask you to do it this way. In Nehemiah, when, when, when the, the exiles had come back from Babylon in Nehemiah chapter 4, go home and read it, they had had some uh, oppression of the enemy stopping them from building the wall. And Nehemiah gave him instruction. He said, for those of you that are carrying supplies, here's how I want you to carry them. Carry the supplies in one hand and a weapon in the other. And when you're building the wall, you that are building, those of you that are working and building, I want you to build with a sword at your side. Because we're not going to stop. Amen. That's what our prayer is, folks. You pray and seek the Lord, say, we're moving forward. I don't matter. Okay, we're going to have attacks. That's going to happen. The enemy's going to try to divide. He's going to cause issues. And when it rises up in the church among somebody next to you, you shut it down and say, no, 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 sweetheart. You need to go back to prayer. You've lost focus of the agenda here. Why is that so important? Because people get mad. They pray against the pastor. They pray against the board. They pray this one in. They pray this one out. And folks, that is a conglomeration and a mixing of Christianity with witchcraft. Don't do it. Fourthly, we see in verse 43 that the church was a Pentecostal church. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The church was a church where the miraculous happened, where God moved. And in 2014, we're going to continue to make room for the moving of the Holy Spirit. Our number two uh, core value was that we're a church that believes in the manifest presence of God. Folks, we are unashamedly Pentecostal. If you're here and you're visiting and you get uncomfortable, you hear somebody speaking in tongues next to you, I'm sorry, that makes you uncomfortable. Uh, if you have any questions, please come see me and I will be clear with you in the Word of God what it says about it. We are not going to change what our forefathers fought to have in this community. Next week, you'll understand a little bit more about it when we go through the history of our church. But there were threats. There was a lot of stuff that they had to go through just so that we could have this church in this location. Actually, the first one was right out here where we're going to be building. But to, to have a gathering of people that believed in the full gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, why is it such a big deal? Because I believe what Paul said when he said that we do not serve mute idols. In other words, we serve a God that speaks to us today. It's a God that's speaking. He's a God that's moving. And folks, our church is going to remain Pentecostal. I'm not going to stop or take away what has happened, what God has done through people that have sacrificed so much for us to be here today. You say, why is that such a, why are you making this point? I'm making the point because again, people, pastors will right now today that call themselves Pentecostal that are shutting down everything because they won't make somebody uncomfortable and they're taking money out of the offering plate. We're not changing who we are. It's worked for 82 years and it's going to work for the next 82. We're going to just trust the Lord and allow Him to keep doing a job, do His job in us, His work in us, and we're going to do His work. Folks, you say, hey, they build that stuff over there. It's going to shut down the Holy Spirit. You're crazy. Stop it. That's, that, that doesn't even make sense. This church has been through four building programs. We went through the Gospel Tabernacle was built. Our fellowship hall was built in 1940, I think, 9, I don't remember, in the 40s. And then we had this new addition over here, uh, here and then a new addition in the 80s. This is going to be the fifth one. And all the way through, we've remained Pentecostal. Amen. Hey, you know what? I think we can do it another time. <laughs> I really do. Fifthly, we see that these people were designated and in, in seen as unified, unselfish, and generous. 
44 and 45. All the believers. Everybody say all. All All the believers were together. Everybody say together. together. And had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. All. And together. This is key. And again, our number six core value is is that we value all people from all generations. I don't care what you look like, smell like, what color your skin is. I don't care what your age is, from the oldest to the youngest. I've hugged elderly people this morning, and I caressed a little baby's head. Don't matter who you are, I love you. And people in this room love you. You're loved, it don't matter who you are. But here's my thing. We're building a wing that's got a nursery and it's got two kids areas in it. And I don't want to hear anybody that's, that's elderly or older, or myself up, that age range, go, well, we just do everything for the kids. Did you forget the bathrooms? Did you forget the foyer? reason that we've got to build bigger foyer and bigger bathrooms is because we're all big. You don't have to build them for the little kids. They can squeeze in and out quick and knock you over in the process. Say, Pastor, I don't do all this stuff for the kids. Okay, when you get elderly and one of you needs assistance in the bathroom, that family bathroom is going to be pretty handy. Listen to me. My point is this. This church was unselfish. They weren't concerned about their own agendas, their own needs. They gave to whatever there was the need at the time. And some people, somebody say, well, Pastor, if we're just going to focus on the kids... What grandparent doesn't want a place for their kids to come and to be hurt and taught the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is not a generational thing. There's no way. There is no division. Folks, I'm not going to let this divide anybody. This is an us thing. It's not a Pastor Bob thing. I've got plenty of room. I've got this whole stage. I've got the front up here. I can move around. I don't need any more space. I'm just fine. This is for you. This is for our children. It's for our families. It's for everybody that will come into this church. It's for every visitor. This building project isn't going to stop opportunities for us to work together, to live together here, and and to serve together and grow in Jesus Christ. It's going to create opportunities. going to be more opportunities to serve, more opportunities to work, more opportunities to give to one another and to pass on what God has done in us to the next generation. And whoever God sends through the door, we're going to love on. Next, we see that it's transformational. The ministry was transformational rather than just event-driven. 46 and 47, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Every day. Everybody say, every day. day. That's how often I expect you to live for Jesus. Every day. All of them. Even on the weekends. Even when you're at work. Even when you're at home. All the time. That was the expectation. And they lived their lifestyle daily. And they did it with a missional mindset. Our number core five value, our number five core value is that we are a church founded on missions. We reach out to the world. We give to world missions. We give to home missions. We minister here in our our community. Folks, right now we have, well, um, Kay Zello, who came up out of our church and has served worldwide with Teen Challenge International. Suzanne Phelps currently is over in Belgium serving as a missionary assistant over there doing a tremendous work. Uh, Caitlin Mannion, who we just saw walked out of, walk out of here, is, is 
working in Peru and doing ministry there. There's others here I won't embarrass that I know are doing some things and looking at doing some things. Okay, I'll mention, I'll mention Allison, looking at maybe going into a Chi Alpha internship next year. And so, Listen, we've got people doing ministry out of our church. Not to mention those that have gone into the ministry as far as full-time pastoral ministry, so on and so forth. Folks, listen, this daily thing is important. We've always challenged people to continue out their faith daily, to impact the community daily, to go out and to share their faith, and to show the love of Jesus Christ to everybody that you come into contact with. It's not that hard. It's what God's called us to do. We are going to continue to do that. We are going to continue to expect every day People are in the Word. Every day, people are praying and seeking God. Every day, somebody's looking for an opportunity to share their faith. Have you ever, how, when's the last time you went up to somebody and began to share your faith? Share your faith. You know what's really cool about it? You get nervous and you're like, I don't want them to reject. I want them to reject. And you get up there and you get to know this person and you find out, I found a live one. I found a believer. And instantly, there's this, there's this unity, this bond. It's like, I'm not alone. Never alone. Believer, believer, believer. Let's go get them. <laughs> you know, it's awesome when you find somebody. I'll never forget going to Florida. We were on vacation and we went to a church. It was the first time into this church. And we went into this little Sunday school class. There was an African-American gentleman and his wife in there. His name was Sebastian, man. And I, and I sit down in this class and Sebastian and I hit it off. He was a writer for the... Uh, St. Petersburg Times sports column. I didn't even know that. All I knew is this guy was a live one. I remember his name. I remember his face. He's not there anymore. But, but man, it's so awesome when we start getting together with other believers and we begin to realize the expansion of what family we are a part of. And we can live as one and we can reach out to others as these individuals did. So what's the reward if we do these things? The rest... Uh, the rest of that verse, 47, says, And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean if I actually live out my faith, I'm going to have favor with people? Well, that's not what I've been taught. I've been taught that they hated Jesus, so they'll hate me too. Well, that's really talking about religious people. Religious people hated Jesus, and religious people hate you too when you have real faith. But everybody else is going to love you. The world loves to see genuine Christians. The world loves when somebody is real. The world loves it when somebody's telling the truth, and when somebody's got some integrity about them. They don't understand it, but they like it. You'll have favor. Why has this church had favor in the community for all these years? It's because of this. Somebody's living their faith out. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know what I'm excited about with our church? We have salvations on all levels. We had several get saved in here in our adults. Our biggest outreach arms are our kids and our youth. Several young people have given their lives to Christ. Several, several children have given their lives to Christ, surrendered to Jesus Christ. I estimated, I counted up real quick one day here a couple weeks ago and, and figured up, I think we've had like 25 new people just show up in attendance or new to our church in the last year, in the last 12 months. Adults, not children, adults. You start adding children in, it gets to go up quite a bit from that. 
The reality of it is, folks, is that we're seeing growth and we're seeing life and, and we see God moving in, in amongst us and around us and we see people coming in with joy. Do you realize that, that over the last three years we've grown at least 10% every year? No, I know. You say, Pastor, oh, you're all worried about numbers, aren't you? No, I'm just giving you an example. I, I don't see numbers as a have-to. Oh, we stopped growing. Now i got to leave. Oh, my goodness. No. I just see that God's moving and there's some growth and that's exciting to me. Here's, here's what I want us to understand. God brings the increase. Not us. Not a new building. Take you back to my conversation with Pastor Allen when I said the principles aren't going to change. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Why? Folks, I'm going to tell you why. Because there are people that have big plans, invest a lot of money, let's build a big building. If you build it, they will come. They get their philosophy from a 1980 movie. 85, 87 movie, whatever it was, Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> the truth of the matter, folks, is that God will bring increase to those that are plugged into the vine. Amen. Those that are plugged into the truth of who He is, those that are living out these principles, these things that I said that we're not going to change, if we're faithful, He'll bring increase. Even if we're faithful, He may not bring increase, but we're not going to change no matter what. You see, this building isn't going to be built to grow us. The building is going to be built to sustain some growth. And what do I mean by that? Did you all look at an apple tree this last year? The year before, there were no apples on it. But this year, the apple tree said, hey, I had a year off. Let's go. And they made so many apples, they were like, whoa, that was a bad decision. And the orchards were all like, oh my goodness. I, last year, we had all of our, the frost kill our apples. And now this year, the apples are killing our trees. Trees can't sustain them. Structure has got to be in place before fruit is developed. And I fully believe this, church. God has led us this path because we, we need some space, we need some improvement, so on and so forth. But if He brings in people, it's not going to be because of the building. It's going to be because we've prepared ourselves to sustain the fruit that He's brought in. And it's not people for people's sake. It's not people for numbers' sake. It's souls. It's people being brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. People are going to hear the Word of God. People are going to be loved through fellowship and the breaking of bread. People are going to be prayed for and praying and seeking the Lord. People are going to walk into a Pentecostal church, a fellowship where the Spirit of God is moving. They're going to be loved unconditionally regardless of who they are. And folks, they are going to see and hear and respond to truth and they're going to be saved. Eternally changed difference. That's why I like to see people come in the doors. That's why. So, Pastor, why are we going through this building project then if it's not for growth? Jesus told us to go make disciples of all nations. And that's what we're going to do. And it's going to be a tool to help us. If God sees fit to bring increase... Hopefully we're going to be prepared and ready. That's what our goal is going to be over the next 8 to 10 months is to be very prepared for the launch of that process. But I need you to remain and understand that these principles are going to be unchanging and that God's going to do a work in all of us together. If Devin would come, we're going to close this out, but I just want all of us to understand over the next few weeks what our plan is, where we've been, where we're headed, how we're going to get there. We're going to kind of do this on a different level next week. 
But if you've been here for less than, let's just say less than four years, if you've been coming here or you are a visitor or you've been here less than four years, just raise your hand real quick. Put them high, put them high. Now everybody look around. Put your hands down. Okay. Why am I doing what I'm doing right now? I'm doing it because I'm going to talk about this next week, about the new generation. I want everybody to understand the tremendous family that you are a part of here. I want you to understand there is a history here and you don't have to have had, had to been here for, for 30 years to be a part of that history. You walk through the doors, you're a part of us. We love you. And I want you to grasp and grab a hold who we are, who you are, and what God has called us to be together. And I want to impact this community. I want to impact the surrounding communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every single person in this room, every single person in the first service is a part of that. Every single one of you. God will bring His will into our lives and into this church. Stand with me this morning, if you will.